Welcome to the Calvary Youth Podcast, where you will find the latest teachings from our Thursday youth nights and more. All right, the title of our message tonight is, How Does This Work? Look to the person next to you and say, How does this work? How does this work? Over the past four weeks, what we've looked at is we have looked at the gospel. We've looked at this thing called grace. Look to the person next to you and say, good grace. Yeah, we just sang about it. Good grace. Grace is really, really good. In fact, it's the best news in all the world. Right now, there's a lot of bad news. There's a lot of people that are stressed out and overwhelmed. Our country's kind of divided. But guess what? No one can ever take away the good news of the gospel. And we've talked about what the good news is. The good news is, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were least deserving, God sent his son from heaven to earth on a rescue mission for you so that you may have life. In fact, the gospel is the truth that Jesus died so that you may live. The gospel is the truth that he became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. The gospel is the reality that we have gone from death to life, from darkness to light, from being blind to now being able to see. All because of the work of Jesus Christ and him alone. Can we give him some praise? Clap some hands at the gospel. It's good news. It's really, really good. And the whole book of Galatians is saying, listen, it's so good. Why would you ever turn from it? And so we've looked at this. We've seen there's no turning back. Once you've experienced the grace and the goodness of God, why would you turn from it? It is the best news in all the world. We saw last week that the gospel changes us and it adopts us in into the family of God. Again, not by anything we do, but because how good God is. This is the gospel. A couple of weeks ago, we saw that grace is enough to get you started and it's enough to see you through the finish line. Some people think grace is only in a moment. Like you turn to Jesus for the first time, he forgives you from the sin, from your sin, and then he just leaves you up to your own abilities. But that's not true. Grace picks you up where you're at and it lifts you up out of that situation. And in fact, he sees us through to the end. The Bible says that God will finish or complete the good work that he has started and you. And it is all by grace. Someone say grace. Grace is good. Grace changes everything. When we truly experience the grace of God that we cannot earn and that we do not deserve the love of God, when that really resonates and reaches the depths of our heart and soul, it changes everything. But how does this work? How does this work in real life? Now that we know that, we've been talking about the doctrine of grace or the teaching of grace, but now in Galatians chapter 5, there's a transition in the book to where he's getting more practical. Paul, who's writing this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's now getting to a practical place, and how does this work in day-to-day life? How does God's grace affect you in day-to-day life? How does it lift you up and get you where God wants you to do in day-to-day life? How does it work? Look to the person next to you and say, how does it work? Today we will see that it is by God's grace he has given us the Holy Spirit. Everyone say Holy Spirit. We just welcomed him here in that last song. And we're going to see that grace and the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. That as God has by his grace 
picked us up from a place to where we were hurting and broken and helpless. He has picked us up and he's given us his Holy Spirit to see us through to the end. How does this work? It works by the Holy Spirit. Let's read tonight in Galatians chapter 5. How about we all stand as we read? I think we're tired. Let's stand in honor of God's word and we're going to read a few verses. Galatians chapter 5. Beginning in verse 16, read along with me, not out loud, but just follow along with me. Verse 16, it says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the, of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirits is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's pray. God, as we open up your word and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, here into this place, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our soul and our mind to receive from you tonight. Lord, I pray that you take just a, a, a same natural, ordinary Thursday night and that you grace us with your presence to make it supernatural. I pray that you meet people here for the first time. Those that may not know you, that a friend brought with them, I pray that they would encounter your grace and that they would receive your forgiveness and that they would walk out of this place with your eternal life. I pray for those that do know you that maybe, Lord, are walking according to the flesh, their own desires, their own will. I pray that tonight they would surrender to you, that they would encounter you, and that, Father, you would draw them in, set them on solid ground, and remind them, Lord, that you are with them and that you have a plan for them. God, we welcome you here. In Jesus' name, your people said, amen. You may be seated. How does this work? The power of the Holy Spirit. This is where Paul the Apostle is heading here in Galatians chapter 5. Again, we've talked about grace. We've talked about how good it is. We talked about when, it, when we encounter God's grace, why would you ever turn back? But how does this work? What are we supposed to do now? What now? Well, number one, walk, don't run. Look to the person next to you and say, walk, don't run. Walk, don't run. Let's read verse 16 one more time. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
As many of you guys know, I was a lifeguard for some time before I stepped into ministry, and my least favorite lifeguarding was pool lifeguarding. I would way rather lifeguard at the beach. In fact, lifeguarding at the beach was my thing, but sometimes I had to cover other people's shifts and go to this place where it was this awful pool in the middle of like this mountain. It was super hot, and it was just a bunch of like... Weirdos is a mean word, but it was just like... It was just weird up there, okay? It was like a really weird area, and it was just not fun at all. But one of the things we always had to tell people, especially little kids, was walk, don't stop running. Why? Because if you're running by the pool and it's what, what's going to happen? You're going to slip and fall. So here, Paul the Apostle is setting us off. And what do we do now? Now that we've experienced God's grace, now that we understand that we don't have to live according to the do's and don'ts of Christianity, but that we've brought into a personal relationship with God himself because of the person of Jesus, now that he's extended this grace and this forgiveness, what do we do now? He says, listen, walk, don't run, lest you slip and fall. Because this is the thing. When we encounter God's grace, we can get off to a running start and say, man, now that I'm a Christian, I need to do a bunch of good things. We make that list again. We've talked about it. Well, I got to go to church. I got to pray. I got to read my Bible. I can't cuss. I can't date. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. And we go off running thinking this is all that it means to now live as a Christian. But Paul slows things down and he says, hold on a second. We need to walk, not run, lest we slip and fall. Because this is the thing about a walk. If you're on a walk with something, someone, it's way more personal. You know, if you're walking with God himself, it speaks of relationship. It's intimacy. Have you ever had a friend, you're having a bad day, and you're just, hey, let's go on a walk. You just walk around. Maybe it's not like a walk around your neighborhood, but you just go for a walk. You, you just clear the air. You talk about some things. This walk is what he is describing in which our relationship with the Holy Spirit looks like. It is a walk. And he says, as we're walking with the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the desires are of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Here, Paul's saying, what now? How does this all work? He's saying, as you're going about on this journey of life as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, there are going to be two things warring for your soul. As you're going on this journey, there's going to be two voices, so to speak, in your ear. There's going to be two things pulling you. And he describes these forces almost as the flesh and the spirit. It reminds me of Emperor's New Groove. How many have seen the movie Emperor's New Groove? Emperor's New Groove was my jam back in the day. For those of you that are younger than me and don't watch Emperor's New Groove, I'm pretty sure it's on Disney Plus now. So you can go watch it on Disney Plus. But how many guys remember Kronk? Kronk's pretty funny. He's the humor of the movie. He's like the old Olaf where he, he's just in there kind of for the laughs. And Kronk, he has these two characters as he's off by himself. There's an angel on one shoulder and what? A devil on the other. Giving these different advices and pulling him two different directions. Here, Paul the Apostle is saying it's the same way as we're on this journey of life as a Christian. 
there are two voices, our flesh and the spirit. Now, you need to understand what the flesh is. The flesh, in fact, one explanation or description of the flesh is the cravings of our self-life. Our deep cravings, our natural cravings, what we're bent to, bent toward. You ever notice that just like you find yourself doing little white lies? Or you just find yourself cussing. You stub your toe and, uh-oh, hopefully mom and dad didn't hear that. Something slips out of your mouth or maybe a thought in your mind and you know, oh no, I shouldn't have thought that thought. Maybe it's the hatred or frustration or anger uh, boiling up inside of you because your parents won't let you hang out with friends or because your little siblings are driving you crazy. It's these natural cravings of the self. This is the flesh. And these natural cravings are a result of us being sinners. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've talked about this. The sin nature lives inside of us. And it pulls us all these different directions. And it gives us these natural cravings. But what Paul is telling us, as we experience God's grace... As we respond to his forgiveness and the good news of the gospel, the Bible tells us he will give us new desires. Why? Because upon responding to the gospel of Jesus, inviting him into our life, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you got to understand the Holy Spirit is God himself. He's the third part of the Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And when you come to Christ, when you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. You're filled with the person of God. His Spirit lives inside of you. And when this happens, he gives you new desires. These new desires are now not to fall into these natural cravings, but to honor and obey the Lord. And so even though you tend to lie or you cuss or you stub your toe and something comes out of your mouth, you're, you have this new desire of like, man, I, I, I wish I didn't say that. I want to stop lying to my friends. I want to stop cussing like that. I want to stop talking like that. I don't want to think those thoughts. There's these new desires that are welling up and boiling up inside of you. And it's because the person of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and giving you new desires. Paul says these two are opposed to each other, almost like Kronk with the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, but it's actually God the Spirit who lives inside of you warring against yourself and your natural cravings. This is natural. This is a part of what it means to walk on this journey of life as a Christian. So I need to tell you something. When I was your age, this battle was going on in my heart. This battle was going on in my soul. And like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, I too would say the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things I don't want to do, I do. In other words, when I was your age, I recognized this battle, but I couldn't experience the victory. I just kept lying. I kept partying. I started doing drugs. I got into a relationship. And a part of me really wanted to stop doing these things. But it was like, man, I, I couldn't give in to them. And so I had this desire of the Spirit, but I did not understand verse 16. Verse 16 says, to overcome those natural cravings, all we have to do is walk by the Spirit. 
And what that means is that by God's grace, he has given you the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you, God himself, to give you victory over these natural cravings. We are to walk with him. There's this idea here of God is speaking to us as he lives inside of us and he's desiring to lead us and to guide us. So as we're going through this journey of life, he is there as a teacher, as a tutor, to guide us, to lead us into abundant life. This is what he desires to do in your life. You don't have to earn your way into favor with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to impress the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. He wants to protect you from temptation. He wants to give you victory in this life. And he wants to lead you into life and life abundantly walking in this spirit. It implies that God is living within us and directing us through this life. And it says, as we are walking with him, as we're listening to him, as we are responding to him, as he's prompting in our hearts, hey, don't go over there. Don't go hang out with those friends. Don't do that. As he's responding, as he's speaking to us, hey, I, I want to protect you from that. Hey, you should probably come clean about that. The Holy Spirit will speak to us. And as we listen and as we respond and as we walk with him, naturally we will not give in to the cravings of ourself. But that choice is up to you. We have a choice of whether or not we want to listen to the Spirit of God speaking to us or whether we want to do our own thing. And when we do our own thing and we run off in our own direction, like a little kid at a pool, we will slip and fall. So he says, hey, walk with me. The idea continues there in the last verse of our section. It says that he desires to lead us by the Spirit. Verse 18, it says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The idea here is not only is he within you and speaking to you, but he desires to lead you and guide you. Now, this reminds me of a time when I was in Indonesia. When I, I went out to Indonesia a few different times, but there was this one time I went out there for six weeks, and it was kind of to do some like mission stuff, hang out with a friend, but it was really to surf. Indonesia has some incredible, incredible surf. And there was this guy that was a tour guide. And he, we had these like little mopeds. You guys ever, ever seen those little like scooter mopeds things? You guys, this is crazy. They will put like six people on one of those things. Like six people, they'll have like chickens on the back, like live chickens, like in a little crate, like those crates that used to be on stage with these plants on them. They'd have like a crate with chickens on them. They'd have these other things hanging out. They're all like people all going all these different directions and they go on the other side of the street. It is chaos. It is mayhem. But when we would go to some of these surf spots, we would have a guide and this guide would be driving this moped and I would be on the back. And as I'm on the back, he would just lead me to the destination where I would experience really good surf. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit desires to have control of our lives. He desires to lead us and be our tour guide to, to lead us to the destination that God has for you. In fact, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, that destination, is he will lead us to the person of Jesus. What would Jesus do? He would lead us to those decisions. He would lead us and guide us. And he would lead us to the destinations that God has for us. He desires to guide you. 
Listen, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he desires to speak to you. And as we saw a couple of weeks ago, one of the ways that he speaks, the Spirit of God will speak through the Word of God. As we open up God's Word, he will begin to speak to us. We don't open it up because we have to, but because we get to. And because he will speak. Not only will he speak by his Word, but he'll impress things onto our heart. He will impress these thoughts into our mind and he will lead us and guide us. And one of the ways that we know it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us is it will always exalt Jesus and lead us to the person of Jesus. So he desires to lead you. He desires to guide you. And understand, it's a walk. Don't run. It's been said about our God that he's the three-mile-an-hour God. When I first heard that, I was like, what does that mean? Well, three miles an hour is the average pace of walking. If you're just walking, you're just cruising, and you're in step with someone, three miles an hour is the average speed. And you know what? That gives me so much relief about our God. You know why? Because it means that God's not going to be hurrying. He's not saying, hey, get up and get over it and move on and get over that problem that you're facing. No. He walks with us. He's never going to be too far out in front of us. And we have to make sure that we don't have to go out in front of him, that we're not going too fast and that we're moving ahead of the Lord. He's not in a hurry. He's patient with us. He's long-suffering with the problems and the thoughts that you're facing. The three-mile-an-hour God, he just calls us to walk with him. So number one, walk, don't run. Number two, how does this work? How does this work to be a Christian and live this grace-filled life? How does this work? How does God change me and transform me? Well, one, walk, don't run. Number two, watch yourself. Number two, watch yourself. Look to the person next to you and say, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Read with me verses 19 and 21 again. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and so on. He's saying that these things, these are the natural cravings of our self-life. These are the natural cravings. We are prone to wander, the Bible says, and we are prone to be jealous people, all the girls in the house. We are jealous We are jealous. We are envious. We want what others have. It is natural for us to be led to to places of immorality where we desire to get into an unhealthy relationship with someone or look at a certain something. It's natural for our hearts to go that way. But God says, that's not what I want from you. As you're going through this journey of life, watch yourself. Let these things be like warning signs as you're journeying. So imagine for a second. Imagine for your second this, this road. The Bible says that there's a straight road and a broad road and that few will go on the straight road and many will go on the broad road. And Jesus calls us to go on this narrow road, this straight road. And imagine yourself. Everyone close your eyes. Close your eyes. Imagine yourself on this straight road and God is walking by your side. He's leading you and he's guiding you. Now imagine yourself kind of pulling against God. You're trying to let go and go off and veer into your own direction. And as you do this, now notice there's a stop sign right in front of you. 
And on this stop sign, it says these things. Fits of anger, jealousy, envy, so on and so forth. And it's warning you that you're getting off track. We're called to watch ourselves. And as these things are warning, imagine there for a second, God just pulling us back in and the Spirit saying, come back to me. Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Don't go off that direction, but stay in step with me. You can open your eyes now, but imagine that for a second. We're going through this journey of life, and God is leading us. And as we are prone to wander off track, these marks right here are like warning signs. As we go and, 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 and we're doing certain things, you find yourself just blowing up to your siblings. You're just super mad at them or your friends or your parents. These things are like warning signs to say, hold on a second. You need to come back to the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, because it is only the Spirit that gives life. The flesh these self-cravings, they will always lead to destruction. They will always lead to destroying trust. They will always lead to destroying purity. They will always lead to you feeling lonely. They will lead, for you, to lead you to feeling isolated. As we give in to these self-cravings of the flesh, they will be destructive. And so God will put them up as warning signs. He will warn us. Get back in track with me. Walk with me. This is how it works. Grace-filled life. The Spirit of God speaking, leading, and guiding us. So number one, walk. Don't run. Number two, watch yourself. And number three, wait for it. Look to your friend and say, wait for it. Wait for it. Read with me in verses 22 to 26. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Here, Paul is telling us as we're going through this journey of life, as the Holy Spirit is leading us, and the Holy Spirit is guiding us, one of the ways we will know that we are walking in step with him is he will begin to produce within us this fruit. Everyone say fruit. Now this fruit implies a couple things. Fruit implies, number one, gradual growth. Think for a second. If I, I love avocado. Who loves avocado? I love avocado. My two-year-old loves avocado toast. It's so cute. She, every morning, I make her coffee. My two-year-old. It's not actually real coffee. I foam milk for her, and she thinks it's coffee. It's really cute. And she likes avocado toast. She's two. It's like the girl just wants to already take a selfie with her latte and her avocado toast and post it on Instagram. It's like, chill out, girl. She's so cute. But avocados, if I got an avocado and I planted it in the ground and I watered it, what would I have to do? Would I get an avocado tree the next day? No. no. What do I have to do? I have to wait for it. Why? Because fruit implies gradual growth. It, growth is measured over time. Fruit is measured over time. It takes time. Now listen, for your life, 
You may be so upset because you really want to honor God and please God, but you keep on failing. And you feel condemned. And you feel weighed down. And you feel like God must be mad at you. And he's upset with you. Understand God is a patient God. Understand he is a God of grace. And understand that it takes time for fruit to be produced in our life. It's gradual growth. It's a process. It takes time. And so God will begin to produce fruit in our life. And the Bible refers to this fruit as one fruit. It's love. And he defines love as these different things. Peace, gentleness, joy, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, self-control, faithfulness. These things are how he's describing the fruit of what it looks like so that you know that God is gradually growing you as you find yourself more joyful and peaceful and kind and good. It's because he's producing within you the fruit of love. But understand, it's gradual growth. It's not going to be a poof, and all of a sudden you're just a super awesome Christian. Listen, it takes time. So you need to have grace on yourself and you need to have grace on other people. Fruit implies gradual growth, but it also implies inevitable growth. Don't miss this. If you're not different than the person you were a year ago, then you're not walking by the Spirit. You're not listening to God. You're not allowing Him to guide you and lead you. God will always change us. Growth is inevitable. If I plant that avocado seed, there will be growth. Like it will take time, but there will be growth. And so if you're not growing in your walk with the Lord, if he's not changing you and transforming you from the inside out, then that means you are neglecting and denying what God wants to do in your life. Every year, we should be able to look back on the year before and say, thank God I'm not the person I was. By God's grace, he's changed me. Each year, he does this. And if there is no growth, then you're not surrendering to the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. So fruit implies gradual growth. It implies inevitable growth. There's going to be growth. And if there's no growth, there's a problem. So you need to allow God to pick you back up, place you back on track, and to lead you and guide you. And number three, it implies internal growth. Internal growth. Fruit implies that it starts in the inside. Think of a tree. That avocado tree, the growth, what starts? Does it start all of a sudden you get an avocado from that seed? No, it grows into what? A tree, and from that tree, it produces fruit. So too, as we are listening and being led and guided by the Holy Spirit, he will do an internal growth in us that people may not see till a year later or six months later or three months later. Now they better see it. Again, it's inevitable, but it starts from the inside and it works its way out. Now this is the problem speaking to young people. This is the problem I had and the problem I see time and time again. They put on fake fruit. You ever seen fake fruit? 
My daughter has this little kitchen set at home. She loves to make me coffee in the morning too, and she brings me over a banana, and she brings me over like the, uh, these, like I don't know, they got these weird like fake food things. Like it's like who eats like this T-bone looking thing that it looks weird, and there are hamburgers in this kitchen thing. It looks like dog meat. It's really strange sometimes. But she has this kitchen. She plays in this kitchen. There's all this fake food, and she likes to feed it to me. What I see a lot of Christians doing that are young Christians. They know what the joyful and the peaceful and the gentle and the kind and the good person looks like. So they try to imitate that person without God doing the work on the inside. So they say, hey, look at me, mom, dad, youth pastor, Aaron, Tyler. Look at me. Look at how good I'm doing. Look. And then they leave that certain situation or that environment and the fruit is actually fake. There's no internal work on the inside. And God is saying the work of the Holy Spirit, he desires to work from the inside out. It's internal growth. He doesn't care about your fake fruit. He's not impressed by it. He desires to work in your heart. He desires to lead you, to guide you, and change and transform you from the inside out. So you need to wait for him. Wait on him. When the Bible talks about waiting, it talks about hoping. We're expectantly waiting coming good. We're expectantly waiting. God is going to do something in my life. And we can believe that because of God's grace. If God has been faithful to us in the past, he will be faithful to us in the future. Therefore, we can wait on him and allow him to work from the inside out. So fruit, it implies gradual growth. It implies inevitable growth. There will be growth. And it implies internal growth. It starts from the inside out. John 15 describes it like this. It says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, he's saying, just as that avocado branch, that avocado is attached to a branch that's attached to a tree, the vine and the branch are connected and that brings forth fruit. If we want to see God bring fruit into our life, this idea of love, making us a more loving person and leading us into abundant life, we have to remain connected to God himself. We have to remain connected to the person of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. In that analogy of this journey of life, and he's walking and guiding us, we have to stay in step with him. Otherwise, there will not be fruit. Are you guys following? All right, at this time, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And you need to understand something important. As we're talking about how does this work? How do I live as, as a Christian? How do I live according to this grace? God's grace is so good, you guys. He has given you the power and the person of the Holy Spirit to do all the heavy lifting for you. This is the thing I didn't understand at your age. And if you haven't heard or listened to anything I said tonight, listen up right now. At your age, I thought it was up to me to live like Jesus. I thought it was up to me to be a good person. And you know what? It didn't take long for me to find out I wasn't. 
It didn't take long for me to find out that I was faking it and I couldn't fake it in front of all my family and friends much longer. And you know what I did? I went off track big time. And I hurt myself and I hurt a lot of other people because when we go off track, we bring people down with us. What I didn't understand at your age is that God is so good. His grace is so great that the person of the Holy Spirit, God inside you, he is the one that will lead you away from temptation. He is the one that will, get, will give you victory. He is the one that will make you live like Jesus. He is the one who will make you a better person. He is the one who will change your life. You don't have to do it. So take off that, that burden that you're carrying of trying to be someone you can't be and allow God to change you and make you that person he's calling you to be. Are you guys following? This is the key. The key to being a spirit-filled person or a fruit-filled life is to have a surrendered-filled life. In order to see God working in our life like this, to lead us and guide us and produce love and life and life more abundant in us and through us, we must be willing to surrender to him. We must be willing to say, God, not my way, but your way be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Not what I want, but God, what you want. All we have to do is bow ourselves before God and say, God, I can't do it. God, I'm tired. God, I'm exhausted. God, this is too hard. And when we bow like that and we surrender ourselves to God, it is there He will give us victory. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Youth Podcast. If this impacted you, share with a friend. Give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Message us on Instagram at calvaryvista.youth to let us know how God is using Calvary Youth in your life. We'll see you next time on the Calvary Youth Podcast.